Welcome to the Teaching Behavior Together podcast, where I provide you with actionable steps for making your classroom management plan effective by incorporating behavioral and social-emotional learning activities into your daily teaching. Hi, I'm Maria, and I have 10 years experience in the field of behavior analysis. In each episode, I will be providing you with effective and evidence-based strategies you can use to create a classroom environment you want to go to each morning. No longer will you be driving home in tears over the overwhelming feeling of trying to manage student behaviors. So sit back, listen up, and start seeing success. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of the Teaching Behavior Together podcast. Today we're going to be talking all about reinforcement. Now I know there are a lot of feelings about reinforcement in the field of education. So the purpose of this episode is to talk about what reinforcement is, how it works, dispel some myths about reinforcement, and talk about how you can use it effectively in your classroom. So let's get right into the show. We're going to start off super technical. Reinforcement occurs when a behavior is followed by a stimulus event, and as a result, the future frequency of that type of behavior increases in similar conditions. So basically, Reinforcement increases the future probability of that behavior. So essentially, if we're reinforcing behaviors, we're going to see those behaviors more often. Now, there are two forms of reinforcement, positive and negative. People get very confused by these terms because of the words positive and negative. But I want you to think about it like a math principle. Positive reinforcement is when we add something to the situation that increases the behavior. An example of this would be, Putting money in a vending machine and getting a soda pop is a form of positive reinforcement. The stimulus, the soda pop, is added after the behavior of inserting money into a vending machine. The future likelihood of putting money in a vending machine to get a soda pop increases. Negative reinforcement is when we take something away from the situation that still increases the behavior. An example of this would be when we take any type of pain relieving medication for a headache. So you take the medication, that's the behavior, and the reinforcer is that the headache goes away. Okay, so another example, because negative reinforcement is a little bit harder of a concept to grasp, is when we set an alarm, and then when the alarm goes off, we hit the button to get the alarm to stop. Hitting the button results in something being removed. Therefore, hitting the button increases in the future because we don't want to hear that annoying sound in the morning, right? A classroom example would be if a student completes all of their classwork in the allotted time, we take away a homework assignment. This would increase using the allotted time appropriately to complete work. Okay, now that we know what reinforcement is and that there are two different types of reinforcement, I think we can agree that reinforcement is more than just earning superficial items for appropriate behavior. Reinforcement works by increasing behavior. Anything that increases the behavior is a reinforcer. Okay, so let's break that down a little bit. Oftentimes we think we are quote unquote punishing a behavior, but we're actually really reinforcing it. If whatever action we take after a behavior increases the behavior, then we're reinforcing it. So let's say a student engages in a tantrum and we send them to the office. If tantrums keep happening, then sending them to the office is functioning as a reinforcer. 
Now, there are four functions of behavior, and we're not going to get into that right now, probably in a later episode, but all you need to understand for right now is that if whatever you're doing that you're trying to decrease a behavior is actually keeping the behavior at status quo or increasing the behavior, you're actually reinforcing the behavior. Therefore, we really need to look at the data to see if the strategies and interventions we're implementing are increasing the behaviors that we want to see. With that being said, some things we think of as traditional reinforcers, such as toys or treats or activities, might not actually function as reinforcers for students. If they don't increase behaviors, then they're not reinforcers. I'm sure you're already seeing that reinforcement is much more complex than just giving a kid a snack or a token for completing work. I'm not even going to get started on token reinforcement because it is so vastly complex. There are so many principles at play with token reinforcement probably going to do an entire episode on token reinforcement in case if you do want to use that in your classroom so that you are using it effectively. But for right now, we're just going to stick to the basics of reinforcement. The next thing I want to talk about is the myth that I commonly hear about reinforcement that might make us think that it's ineffective to use in our classrooms or that we shouldn't be using it. The number one myth I hear is that if we reinforce kids in the classrooms, they won't be successful in the real world because there aren't any reinforcers in the real world. Because we've already talked about how reinforcement increases our behavior, all of our behaviors are reinforced each and every day. That's why we continue to engage in them. We wake up because it's reinforced by access to the people in our homes, going to our jobs, getting our paychecks. We put on a seatbelt to avoid getting a ticket. Therefore, putting on our seatbelt increases in the future. We pay for our food in order to access that food. Therefore, paying for food increases in the future. We answer text messages to access communication and connection with our friends. Therefore, texting behavior increases in the future. And a really obvious one is that we get paid to do our jobs. Therefore, doing our jobs and showing up to work increases in the future. So that myth basically is hypothesized around the fact that if we give kids these contrived reinforcers, that in the real world, there won't be any reinforcers for them to access and therefore they won't be successful. What I want to tell you is that reinforcement doesn't always have to be so contrived. There are naturally occurring reinforcers in our environment that occur every day that increase our behavior or maintain our behavior. Those examples that I just gave you were ones that I thought of in five seconds or less because reinforcement plays such an important role in our behaviors. I completely understand not wanting to set up a super contrived system in your classroom that reinforces student behavior. But if you can identify some naturally occurring reinforcers that are already set up in your environment and the environment that we all operate in and increase those or highlight those for students, you're going to see an increase in behavior. Okay, the next myth that I commonly hear is that by giving kids reinforcers, we're bribing them. So I see where a lot of people think that giving kids items to complete work is like bribery. However, reinforcement and bribery are really different, and I'm going to explain that difference to you now. We already noted that reinforcement is something added or taken away after a behavior that increases the likelihood of that behavior. It's often planned out and based on what the child finds reinforcing. Remember, not everything that we think of as a reinforcer actually will serve as a reinforcer for particular students or anyone in the world, right? I'm a super picky eater. Food is not as reinforcing to me as it is to a lot of other people in the world. Now, bribery is something added or taken away to stop a behavior we don't want to see. Okay, again, reinforcement increases a behavior we do want to see, Bribery is something added or taken away to stop a behavior that we don't want to see. Bribery might change a behavior in the moment, but it will not last and is often delivered in a moment of frustration without being planned out. An example of bribery is, 
If you stop crying, I'll give you a candy bar. An example of reinforcement is, when you complete your work, you can start your choice time. See how they're really different? Bribery, again, stops the behavior we don't want to see, and reinforcement increases the behaviors that we do want to see. I can see why people get very, very confused about this, and I totally understand why this is a myth of reinforcement. I just want you to know that if you are using reinforcement in your classroom, which we all are using reinforcement in our classroom because behaviors exist in our classrooms, therefore we're reinforcing something, right? Just know that you're not bribing them. If you're using reinforcement to increase behaviors that you want to see as opposed to using some sort of mechanism to stop behaviors you don't want to see, you're using something sophisticated called reinforcement and we all are reinforced in our daily lives, so keep doing what you're doing, girl. All right, another myth that I hear is that if we give them a reinforcer, then we'll always have to give them a reinforcer. Okay, so I get why this is a myth, but I want to tell you that when we're teaching a new skill, we give a lot of reinforcement. Okay, let's think about communication. When a baby is first learning to talk, we give them a lot of reinforcement, right? The second they make those cute little babbling noises, the mom goes over to them and tickles them and repeats what they're saying in a high-pitched voice and says, say it again, say it again, right? A lot of attention is given for talking. Communication is often reinforced by the attention that is given to whoever is talking in the moment. And as the child becomes older and they become more sophisticated in their speech, maybe they start saying some word approximations and we're going to reinforce those word approximations with maybe whatever they're asking for, a hug or a high five or a cookie. And as they continue to become more sophisticated speakers, we stop reinforcing some of those word approximations and that babbling and start only really reinforcing those actual words and sentences that they're speaking. In this process, we're fading away some of our reinforcers and we're allowing natural reinforcers to take place, right? When a student or a child starts speaking in your classroom, you don't run over to them and start giving them tickles and, ooh, you talked, you talked, say it again, say it again, because that reinforcer has been faded out way long ago when that student was a baby. Now we reinforce communication with an appropriate communicative response, right? So if a student asks for something in an appropriate way, we give them what they ask for. If a student goes up to another student and starts engaging in a conversation, that other student is probably gonna respond in some sort of way. That's the naturally occurring reinforcer to a lot of our communication, right? When you text a friend, they text you back. That's just an, a reinforcer that occurs in our environment. So again, when we're teaching a new skill, we give a lot of reinforcement. And when we're building that skill, we wanna make sure that we are giving reinforcement so we continue to see that skill develop. Once the skill has been developed, we can start feeding out that reinforcer. So let's take a classroom-based example. Say it's the beginning of the year and we're teaching our expectations to the class. So essentially we're building skills of our class to engage in behaviors the way that we would like them to engage in in our classroom following our classroom routines and procedures. A common classroom routine is whatever procedure you have for them, leaving their desks and getting into a line, right? Okay, so say it's the first day of school and you're teaching them that skill. We're saying it's a skill because yes, the kids probably physically know how to get up from their desk and walk into a line, right? But you have a specific procedure and routine around that so that they do it effectively in your classroom. So we're teaching that specific skill. The first couple of times that you're doing it, you're probably gonna be reinforcing it a lot, right? with a lot of praise, with a lot of high fives, smiles to your students. And for the next couple of days, you're probably going to continue on with that reinforcement, right? You're going to give them a lot of acknowledgement for engaging in the behavior the way you want them to be engaging in that behavior. 
Now, as the rest of the year goes on, it's probably not going to be jumping up and down and giving every kid a high five for getting into line appropriately because they've learned that skill and they've mastered that skill. That skill is now contacting natural reinforcement because once they're in line, they get to access whatever it is you're going to, right? They get to go to lunch or recess or to a special. So that's a naturally occurring reinforcer, right? If I get in line appropriately, then I get to go with the class to wherever we're going. I hope that example makes sense. The point of this myth and me talking about it is to really talk about how Yes, when we're building a skill, we do want to give a lot of reinforcement at the beginning because that's what helps build that skill into that student's repertoire. But as that skill is being built, we want to start feeding that reinforcement so they are contacting naturally occurring reinforcers. That's ideal. And I totally understand the overwhelm that comes with getting a behavior plan that has a lot of reinforcement components in it or seeing the teacher next door have a really complex classroom management system that involves a ton of tokens or points or whatever it might be and feeling like that might not be feasible for you. What I want you to know is that once we've built the skill, we can start feeding that reinforcement. That should be the goal of any plan that we have is that we can start feeding that reinforcement. Even with those complex classroom management systems where students are earning points for then pajama parties or pajama day or popcorn party or fun sock day or whatever it might be, we over time should be starting to increase the number of points that they get or the amount of time that they have to wait in order to access that reinforcer. Because again, we are fading out that reinforcer and then allowing them to contact more naturally occurring reinforcers in their environment. Now that we've talked about some of the myths of reinforcement, I want to move on to how to utilize reinforcement effectively in your classroom. I have to start off with a quick disclaimer. I know there are a lot of disclaimers in my episodes, but these are just general guidelines for reinforcement. If you have a student with significant behavioral needs, you'll want to complete a functional behavior assessment and based on the results of that functional behavior assessment, come up with a behavior plan that works with the function that was determined based on the data. Again, these are just general reinforcer guidelines that you can utilize across your classroom for many of the students, but you might have students who have more significant needs and you're going to have to develop an individualized plan for that. Let's get on to the general recommendations for reinforcement. I've mentioned in previous episodes about the four to one praise ratio. This is a ratio of positive interactions of praise statements to directive or corrective statements. We want to provide four positive or praise statements for every one directive or corrective statement. There is research to support that the ratio should be a little bit higher, but this is a difficult enough skill to carry out in the classroom, so we're going to stick with this. The basic concept is that we give more positive or praise statements than we give corrective statements. This can be a very effective tool in a classroom. The positive and praise statements do not have to be super forced or fake, but think about all the things you can reinforce in your classroom, attending to task, being a good friend, following directions. There are so many. It just takes a slight mindset shift, right? Often we think when things are going well, we don't need to acknowledge them. We acknowledge the behavior we don't want to see because that needs our attention right away. However, if you flip it, you can see an increase in behavior you do want to see and a decrease in behavior that you don't want to see just as a result because they're engaging in all the behaviors you do want to see. So if you do want to implement this praise ratio in your classroom, what I would start off by doing is just taking some simple data on yourself. Start tallying the amount of times you give praise statements and the amount of times you give directive or corrective statements, or maybe have a teacher friend come in and take some data for you. Then I want you to set a goal for yourself on how many praise to directive or corrective statements you're going to start with. Okay. 
going in right four to one might not be super feasible for you right now, but maybe two to one and then increase it to three to one and then maybe four to one. Again, these praise statements don't have to be super forced or fake. They don't have to be, I love how you did this and I love how you did that. But just acknowledging appropriate student behavior like, I noticed you turned in all of your work on time. Thanks for doing that. I noticed you being really kind to so-and-so on the playground. Thanks for doing that. I noticed you only needed one reminder to get in line this time. I noticed that you are working really well with your group today. Or, you know what? You read that book really well. I can tell you're practicing. Or, you know, you've been working really hard on your math. You've done a really great job. Those are all really quick praise statements I just came up with on the top of my head. Think about all of the things that you can acknowledge your students doing appropriately in your classroom to increase that ratio. This takes a lot of time. It's a new skill that you're building. So reinforce yourself too, okay? Tell yourself you're doing a good job and that you're trying your best because that's what we're all doing. We are trying our best in our classrooms to make sure our students are successful, right? So if you're gonna attempt this, again, take some data first, set yourself a goal, and then also just notice all the behaviors in your classroom that you can be acknowledging as appropriate. There are a lot more than you think. And when you do have to acknowledge something that might not be desired in your classroom, make sure that you follow it up with a couple of praise statements after that so that the student does know what behaviors that they should be engaging in. If you wanna increase individual student behavior, you might wanna look around your classroom for a couple of days and just see what naturally occurring reinforcers occur in your classroom already and just bolster those or highlight those for your students so you see an increase in that behavior. You might wanna leave a positive note on a student's desk or shout out a student in front of the class or send a positive note home or maybe an extra high five or a hug. All of these things, if they increase the behaviors that you wanna see, can be fun and effective reinforcers in your classroom. Again, you don't have to do these things forever, but as the student starts contacting those natural reinforcers based on these little extras that you are giving them, you are gonna see so many increases in those desired behaviors and student success is gonna soar, I promise you. You might also wanna use some negative reinforcement in your classroom, right? Again, negative reinforcement increases desired behavior, it's just that we're taking something away that increases that desired behavior. So say your students are doing really well in their work and so you drop their lowest quiz score. Or say that they've turned all of their homework in on time this week so you take away the homework on Friday. Or maybe you don't even give homework on Friday, right? Or say if students turn in all of their homework or have completed work to a certain level of accuracy on a quiz or exam, they're allowed to pick a couple of the problems that they don't wanna answer. Again, this is negative reinforcement in action, right? We allow students to take away something from their environment that they might not wanna do, homework, quiz items, tests, and this increases the behavior that we do wanna see, them getting accurate scores on their homework, them turning in their homework on time, them utilizing the independent work time we give them effectively. These are just some positive and negative reinforcement strategies you can use in your classroom that will be effective. I've seen them be effective. I've studied this for 10 years, you guys, and I've recommended this to so many teachers, and it is so effective and students reach so much success. Again, these strategies go beyond the sticker and token method that we see in a lot of classrooms and are more natural in classrooms and allow us to really utilize the principles of reinforcement for increasing those desired behaviors. Now we're gonna segue a little bit into talking about classroom reinforcement systems. A lot of teachers use classroom reinforcement systems and they can be highly effective. What I do wanna say is that classroom reinforcement systems can be very complex. 
So if you don't have one set up yet or you don't have an idea of how to set up your classroom reinforcement system, or maybe you had one and it wasn't working as well as you would like, what I wanna tell you is that developing one of these systems so that it is effective can be somewhat complex. So I don't wanna to touch on it now in this episode in its entirety because I wanna devote an entire episode to setting up a classroom reinforcement system and really walk you through step-by-step step how to set up that system so that it is effective. What I see a lot is that teachers set up a point system or maybe some other system that they're gonna utilize in their classroom to reinforce those behaviors, but there might be some tweaks or different things that you might wanna add to it so that it is a little bit more effective for you in your classroom. So I really wanna dedicate an entire episode to that, for right now, I just wanted to talk about what reinforcement is and how you can utilize those individual reinforcers for students in your classroom. Classroom reinforcement systems are great and can definitely be utilized effectively, but I just want to go really in depth in that so that you have each step to setting up that classroom reinforcement system so that it does work for you next year or whenever you decide to utilize it. All right, everyone. So that was the episode I had for you on reinforcement. I hope it was really helpful. I get so many questions about reinforcement and I get so many opinions about reinforcement that I really wanted to talk about it and break it down for you and give you some basic strategies that you can utilize in your classroom. To give you guys a little preview about what's coming next week, we're going to be talking all about punishment and how I feel about punishment. And then the following week, we're going to be doing a Q&A episode. So if you do have a question that you would like me to answer, please go follow me on Instagram here and send me a message so that I can answer your question. I already have a lot that I'm going to answer in that episode. So make sure you get your question in so that it is answered. And then we are going to be starting our behavioral and classroom management series where I walk you through the steps that you need to have an effective classroom management plan and some strategies you can utilize in your classroom to increase the behaviors you do want to see so that our students are reaching their maximum success. And lastly, really quickly, if you would please subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. And if you enjoy this episode, please leave a rating and possibly a review that would really help me out and allow this podcast to be seen by teachers all over so they can enjoy these strategies and tips that we have for them. Have a great day.